This is Keep It 100, a podcast from Spotswood Creative that is designed to keep it real and honest about worship practices in the 21st century. We want to help you work through those issues like choosing worship songs, leading as a volunteer, worship stereotypes, worship conflicts, and figuring out if the theology is right in the song you just love or if you should just put it away. What is going on, everybody? My name is Josh Morton. I'm the worship pastor here at Spotswood Baptist Church, and this is Keep It 100. We're so glad you joined us. Bailey, what's up? You know, nothing much. Nothing much. This is take take three of all this yeah. today. Um, so uh, anyway, this is episode four. Very excited about, um, about that. We are just trucking right along here. Mm-hmm. Um, just a few months ago, this was all very, very conceptual, and we weren't really sure what this was going to look like. But man, it's hard to believe this is this will be the eighth week of Keep It One Hundred mm-hmm. being in existence. Yeah. So episode four, very excited. So this episode, so so far we have gone through what we are, Spotswood Creative, and uh, the first two, uh, I guess, key phrases in our existence, which mm-hmm. is uh, mending hearts and renewing minds, mm-hmm. and then today we're going to go over worship God. Yep. Um, so, Bailey, if you will, um, I want you to talk to us a little bit about what it means to worship God, uh, but I want to read our, our scripture here first, and mm-hmm. it comes from Psalm 100. I'm going to read the whole thing. We've done that before, but I want you to hear it just in case this is the first time you've checked in with us. Psalm 100 is a uh, uh, fairly short uh, Psalm, it says this, is shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Man, it just feels good to read that. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I read Psalm 100, I, I don't know. There, there's just a sense of joy and peace that comes over me. Um, man, it's just so good. So Bailey, let's let's unpack here for a moment what we mean uh, when we say worship God. So for a worship ministry, Spotswood Creative is our worship ministry here at Spotswood Baptist Church. For a worship ministry, it seems kind of a duh that one of our phrases is worship God. Why wouldn't it be something else? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that, at least from my perspective, I have started to see things um, in the light of someone who's not a believer. Mm. And I think that, at least in the South, which Virginia isn't really the South, but where I'm from in South Carolina um, is like the South. it's very common for people to know church culture, for people to be submerged in church culture, and for us to just kind of assume that every church is a God-honoring church. Ooh-wee. Come um, on. And I think that us incorporating worship God into our essential, essentially a mission statement of ours is, yes, it seems like a no-brainer if you are a church person, mm. but... It's not a no-brainer to someone who we invite to church that we meet at the grocery store or that we invite to church and that yoga class that we're going to in right. the middle of the week or right. whatever. 
I consider myself to be very fortunate because I have worked in other settings that I'm surrounded by people who aren't like me. Um, I'm very thankful for that. I'm, I'm very thankful that I haven't just been surrounded by church people my whole life because that's dangerous. Right. Um, so worship God, it all comes back to what we read, which is Psalm 100 and the basis of this podcast, but also what Josh said, the basis of our worship ministry. Um, and I think that too, it's an important reminder to not only our team, of creatives, but our church, Come on. um, that this is the purpose. Mm-hmm. The other two things exist under the umbrella of worshiping God. Um, and we do those other two things, men hearts, renew minds because we worship God. Yes. And through worshiping God, we are mending hearts, renewing minds. So Correct. it all comes back to this, this one key phrase, which is worship God. Bailey, do you remember, you may be too young to remember this. And I don't mind painting myself as this as an old dude. Um, do you remember the days of the music minister? Like, like the term music yeah. minister. Music minister. Like minister of music. Yeah, or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. minister of music or music director in churches. Oh, yes, um, my father. I talk. I think I've talked about him on every single episode. Bill, one day we're actually going to bring you on it. Bill was a minister of music. Yeah. Now he's just. I call him a worship pastor, I guess. But, yeah, no, he was a minister of music. So there was a shift, like, I would say it's probably in the late 90s, away from music being a ministry to worship being a ministry. Hmm. And so when you were talking just now, sidebar disclaimer, if, you ever served in a capacity as a music minister? You're ta- like one that's I was one at one point. Um, I I am not, you know, trying to throw shade on your on your ministry in the past. One of my greatest mentors, Lindsay O'Rear, who is in his eighties now, was an incredible, incredible music minister. And if it wasn't for him, I would definitely would not be doing this. And and a lot of what I, a lot of my worship theology was taught by him. Um, so a lot of things that we do today here at Spotswood was because of an excellent music minister. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, so please do not think uh, for one second that I think they're, that, that they're, we're, I'm trying to take away credit where credit is due to healthy worship practices and stuff that mm-hmm. happened. Sh- simply shifting the, the title of something does not shift the shift it. Does that make mm, sense? Yeah. Going from music ministry to worship ministry that that's just a it's a it's a mindset a, a mindset shift. So I think about all this, um, and the reason to me that it was so important that we make worship God, you know, mm-hmm. our thing, and not just perform beautiful music. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I don't think it's as as obvious to even church people. Mm-hmm. As I think for me and you yeah. who are in it every day, it's very obvious that that conveying to the Lord his greatness, both musically and not musically, is very, very, very important. Mm-hmm. Not just perform something beautiful that may just happen to reflect his greatness. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we, we want to focus on today um, is 
is, like we said, Psalm 100. Uh, we mentioned before, uh, uh, let's see here, let me find it here in the scripture. Where is it? Okay, yeah, there it is. Worship the Lord with gladness. It's in verse, it's in verse 2. I just This is a different translation. So worship the Lord with gladness. Um, other translations say serve the Lord with gladness. So that's a to me that's a completely different take on worship. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times when we see worship, we just immediately think music. Oh, let's sing songs to him with gladness. Well, other translations point to the act of worship as an act of service. Mm-hmm. So like what can you do, actually physically do in serving the Lord? And not only serving him, how do you do it with gladness? How do you do it with joy in your heart? Um, to me, I, I, I don't think we live in a culture right now that is big on serving. Mm. We live in a culture that is very, very big on being served. Yeah. And, you know, like I, I can't tell you, one, one of my least favorite things that I hear people say when they want to leave their leave their church, okay, um, man, I'm just, I'm just not getting anything mm. out of it. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa. I'm not getting anything out of the service. Oh my gosh. You gotta be kidding me. Like the serve, literally the word service, mm-hmm. you've missed it. A service is not a thing you go sit in and be, and people perform in yeah. front of you. A service is designed, originally was designed for you to serve the Lord, mm-hmm. for you to come and give to him and approach him and say, you are something much greater than I am. Mm-hmm service yeah you're serving him so serve the lord with gladness that's a little bit different mindset um basically what this verse is saying is be a slave and be happy about it Mm. for the lord we are we are slave to him right Mm -hmm. we are his Mm -hmm. we don't own ourselves. so it's a it's just a very different mindset i i think we often try to be very consumeristic, very, very consumeristic with our worship. And if you look at Psalm 100, it's the opposite of you consuming. It's offering something to be consumed yeah. by someone that's not you. It's God. So um, anyway, so what are what are the, Bailey, tell me, some. what are some of the characteristics of God? I'm just trying to get down this page here. Characteristics of God that um, that we try to point out when we're worshiping. Well, I think the statement worship God is much easier to understand if you know who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, from the perspective of someone who is not a believer or who is a new believer, I think it can be a loaded statement to say worship God. And it's like, okay, well, why? Yeah. <laughs> um, what is What has he done? Yeah. And I know for me, speaking from experience, it was just something I have always known I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Worship God. Okay, I'm going to go worship God. I'm going to go to church on Sunday and worship God. I'm going to go to Sunday school and worship God. Right. And it's like, okay, well, who who is that? (laughs) Who is God? Um, So some characteristics that I um, have some scripture to talk about um, is one is Psalm 147.5. It says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Um, so right off the bat, he's great. He's mm. powerful and not just powerful, but abundant in it. Yeah. <laughs> An overflowing amount of power. Um, and his understanding is beyond measure. So immediately that brings comfort of, well, God, God understands, like he gets it. Mm. Um, 
not just because he's God and he's all-knowing, but he literally sent his son, um, essentially a, a branch of him, to mm-hmm. come to earth and experience humanity. So he is he literally understands what we're feeling. Yep. He understands who we are um, as his creation. So he's great. He's abundant in power. He's understanding. Um, in Romans eleven thirty three, he says... It says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Um, this is a lot of deep, rich language in that verse. Um, the depth of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge. Mm-hmm. So wise and all-knowing. And how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. That there's a lot to unpack in that, but mm. I will, I will just continue to move on. I think it speaks a lot for itself itself of who God is. Um, and then finally, the last one I have is Deuteronomy 32, four it says the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are just a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright. He is, mm. um, that one stands out to me the most in our present day. I, he is, his work is perfect. All of his ways are just. He's also faithful and righteous. So he's literally the perfect judge while also being great, powerful, understanding, wise, all-knowing, and he's just. Um, He doesn't, he doesn't choose justice out of what we see would be selfish ambition. He chooses justice because it's right. He's understanding. He knows about us. He is wise. And that is a selfless God. Mm. And it comforts me in knowing that worshiping someone who is just and where his work is perfect, it, it, it just brings me, it brings me so much peace. Um, and it, it's something that I'll never understand. And I think that's what is so good about it all. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure so many of you have heard the statement before, but if we understood God, we wouldn't need God. Right. And I mean, man, that to know that I am giving glory to something that knows way more than me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think I know it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'm sure my, I'm sure my dad's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Take note, Bill. <laughs> but I mean, as humans, we do. We think we know it all mm. sometimes. And how much comfort does it bring to know that our God is all knowing and He knows way more than we could ever know? Um, so worshiping God is worshiping the embodiment of all of those things and so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that. When we come into worship, we say, keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm. And what is the main thing? That is God. That is this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-understanding, just God that we're bringing everything to, coming with open hands, like we talked about in the last episode, coming with open hands and keeping him the main thing. Mm. And with that comes that attitude of serving. Mm. We're not coming to a service expecting to get something out of it, but we're coming to serve. And because our God is generous, he's giving, he's giving back his presence and often so much more. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that it's really hard for me to express into words the excitement that it brings reading those characteristics of God. One of the most helpful things that I've ever done, um, if you haven't gathered by now, I'm a very outward person. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> outwardly expressive. I, I like um, writing things out. I like doing things so I like physically and Um, it helps me better understand. So one of the most helpful things I've ever done is as I've read through scripture, um, in the first page of my journal, I write out characteristics of God. Mm. I mean, this is a list that I've, I mean, it's been ongoing for probably a couple of years. Um, and it just always, I always come back to it and it's just a page full of all the words that I find to describe God and whether they're words that mean that are very similar and mean similar things, I still think it's important that we understand all of the ways and all of the things that God is. Yeah. Um, so coming with an attitude of serving, coming to service, ex- expecting to be a servant, to be a slave of the one true God, if we are understanding who God is, which is joy, which is love, which is just, it brings gladness. And if we're if we're wanting to take on that attitude of of who God is and embody who He is, then we come serving with gladness. We come to church wanting to love God more, learn more about who He is. So can can we unpack for a second? Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot, and that was really really good. <laughs> I was I was just sitting there and was like, man, this is. <laughs> This is, this is really good stuff. You're, you talked about words, okay? Um, in the scriptures that you read, Psalm 147.5, Romans 11.33, Deuteronomy 32.4, um, there are some words in there um, that I think only belong to God. Um, words like beyond. Mm. Uh, words like... Um, the depth of riches, mm. unsearchable, unfathomable, um, perfect, all, not some of his ways are just. <laughs> yeah. All of his ways are just. A God of unfaithfulness and without, without injustice. So, mm. I think a lot of times we use words like without, all, beyond. Um, we we use those words to describe things, but really and truly that's a close description in our own lives of what things are, but God is absolute in those things. Mm-hmm. God absolutely is beyond our mm-hmm. comprehension. God absolutely is unsearchable in his judgments and unfathomable. Mm-hmm. Like we we really we really can't understand him. Like we can understand what he's given us in his word. Like we can attempt to grasp that, but unfathomable un, unfathomable. There we go. Got it out. <laughs> is exactly what it means. You cannot wrap your head around his ways. Mm-hmm. And acknowledging that, sitting back and going, God, you are so big and so great and so powerful, 
I really, my finite mind's just not going to yeah. wrap around it. That, acknowledging that first is an act of worship. And not just acknowledging it, but living your life out as if you realize I'm not going to wrap my head around this. It puts you in a place of humility. Yeah. <laughs> because in our world today, we like to run around pretending like we know everything. Mm-hmm. I have the all the answers if you would just listen to me. I can't tell you. Sometimes I don't even want to read books anymore. I know I, I'm going to keep reading books, but, like, I don't want to read these different gurus sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Spurgeon. I love Tozer. Um, but sometimes I want to stop reading them because our society has glorified their words so much. And they're great men. Don't get me wrong. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here, but... They're great men, but it's almost like we have started worshiping their words about God yeah. as opposed to worshiping the God that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that. so when you're talking about worship, I think we've gotten to a point where we are worshiping human ideals about God mm. as opposed to worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got several friends who are diehard Calvinists, I love them. Um, I I have um, several friends that are on the opposite side of the spectrum. Um, I love them too. Um, But man, if you get those, those folks in a room, all of a sudden you hear Calvin spoken about a lot. You hear Wesley being spoken around, Mm -hmm. uh, spoken about a lot. You don't hear a lot of people talking about God. Yeah. They're talking about those two guys and what they found and what they think. And Mm. where, at what point are, have we lost the focus. Right. Well, it's almost like we are diminishing the power that God holds so that we can understand him. And it's like we're putting our own words and our own own human experiences and plastering them on this this picture we've painted of God. Mm-hmm. And we're essentially diminishing his power and the power of the gospel because of it. Because we're making him, we're humanizing him a, like it. And taking away the 100% God part of it, mm-hmm. we're just making it 200% human. We, it's almost like we've made God a philosopher. Yeah, yeah. A, another, we, we've made God a theologian. Imagine that. Right. Like, like <laughs> Somebody it, to talk about himself. Right, exactly. And, and, and proper, don't, don't hear us the wrong way. We're not saying that good theology and good studying of God's word and a good, a good understanding of his word isn't important. We're not saying that. Mm-hmm. That is very important, but we in our humanness have started creating camps Mm. where it's like, well, I believe what this guy says about the Bible. Well, Mm -hmm. I believe what this guy says about the Bible. I believe what these group of people say about Mm. the Bible. And if you aren't in my camp, if you aren't in my camp, well, then, well, you and I, we just, we can't get along. We can't Mm -hmm. think. It goes back to the cancel culture thing we discussed Mm -hmm. a couple weeks back. Um, you know, it, it's amazing to me. And I actually think, um, uh, our Southern Baptist president just came out. He just tweeted out something. Somebody sent it to me just now. He just said, literally he says, it's amazing to me how many Christians who rail against cancel culture have canceled their church mm-hmm. membership over disagreement, mm-hmm. uh, with their church leaders, uh, this past year, so on and so forth. Um, um, you know, I think it's important that 
we don't dive into something that is intentionally I know the gospel in its nature is going to be offensive. Mm-hmm. I get that. The Bible describes it as a double-edged sword, right? It's a weapon. Mm-hmm. Double-edged sword can hurt people mm-hmm. in the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that as we're trying to decide what we think, and as we are attempting to understand an unfathomable God, mm-hmm. we understand that our words, and, and if they're conveyed the wrong way, can really, 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 really hurt a lot of people in a way that God didn't intend for it to. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we're worshiping, it's important so that we don't create this divisive community. Mm-hmm. We got to keep the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. We don't need to get caught up in this discussion. We don't need to get caught up in this discussion where really and truly the vast majority of believers are not mature enough to talk in those discussions. Well, I want to just take one one second to talk to our our students and our young adults because I I'm I'm there with you I'm right here I'm experiencing this very thing I want to encourage you do not let our culture right now our culture that is I would say probably twenty seven to 15 those ages Mm -hmm. do not let them shape how you view your own faith amen and when i say that what i mean is there i I will sit here and acknowledge and some some of our just just hear me before i before i finish my statement yes just hear me there are a lot of things about quote-unquote religion about "Quote unquote Christianity about those things that were made toxic because humans got a hold of it." Correct. So I want to put that out there. I know there's a lot, a lot going around in my age group and like the millennial Gen Z group that is about peeling peeling back the the negative things about religion. And I'm not saying that that's that's wrong, but what I'm saying is, don't don't tear it apart so much that you're forgetting why you wanted to do it in the first place. Don't don't sit here and say, okay, well, there's this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. Okay, well, what is there anymore? Right. Because that's when it gets dangerous, and that's when you're allowing culture to shape your view of faith, and not allowing scripture and God to shape your view of faith. Absolutely. So. My, what I want to say as an encouragement to you is go to scripture about it. Don't, don't take what social media, social media is so powerful and it's terrifying how powerful it is. Don't go to social media and say, well, I did read this post and they really know what they're talking about. And so this is now what I, what I think about scripture, like this and that and the other, because why why are you listening to those things but you're not listening to the truth of god the the word of god is god breathed mm. he used men to to put it <laughs> on paper but it's god breathed and so if you really want to understand the truth of god the character of god the god that you are choosing to worship you're not worshiping a religion Mm-mm. you're not you're not worshiping a denomination 
we are saying you're worshiping God and we want to worship God. So if you want to know about that God that you're truly worshiping, don't allow the culture around you to say, oh, well, we're just trying to find the really bad things so we can understand better. Be very, very careful. Yep. And it's really hard to do when you're constantly surrounded by it. So you know what you have to do? Surround yourself with scripture. Yep. Not telling you to go delete your Instagram. Not telling you to go delete your Facebook. I'm not telling you to go delete whatever stuff you have. I have all of those things. But what I'm saying is that's when you put on the armor of God. Mm. (laughs) That's when you go to scripture. That's when you find the real truth and you don't allow the, the opinions disguised as truth of this world to diminish the power of the gospel. Right. It, it's it's like you don't let a post and I and and I'm I'm gonna since you spoke to the the younger mm-hmm. folks, I'm gonna say older millennials, Gen X, mm-hmm. baby boomer, what have you, you know. Um, it's important that we you used to to get an audience you used to have to earn it. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I I remember um the first time I, I led I led worship one time for the Southern Baptist Convention. This was in two thousand seven, I think. Um now you I wanna I, know what grade I was in in two thousand and seven. <sighs> like third. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I was in it was two thousand seven. I wanna say I was I want to say I was like a junior or senior in North Greenville. Um, and man, like, do you, so there were, there were, I, th- I think that this was in San Antonio. I think it was in San Antonio and there were probably like 10, 12,000 people there. Do you know the events that had to come to fruition for me to be able to step up in front of 12,000 people and lead them in worship? Number one, back up. I don't think I was ready for that. Mm. But the events that had to take place for me to be able to gain that kind of audience, just to be able to stand up for a few minutes, sing a couple, sing a song or two, and and uh, and uh, read read some scripture or whatever. I, I can't remember what I did that mm-hmm. day. I just remember that that it happened. Um, the events that had to fall into place for us for me to be able to get that opportunity. Now. If you want an audience of 10,000 people, all you have to do is have one or 2,000 followers on Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. and say something semi-conflicting with the culture, and you'll get everybody's ear really fast. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, you're a guru, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know what you're talking about. Um, there's also another way to get a million followers, you know, a million and a, a ton of people to pay attention mm-hmm. to you is to say something that's intentionally divisive. You'll get everybody's attention that way Mm. really, really, really quick. There are people that create accounts just to say divisive things. Mm. So it's important that before we put stuff out there, we put it through, we put it through uh, the the lens. We look at it through the lens of is, is this how Jesus would handle himself? Mm. Was every time that Jesus spoke a time that he flipped tables? Mm. Was every time that Jesus dealt with the culture, was he whip, pulling out a whip and cracking it yeah. in the temple? The answer is no. Mm. It's not. So it's important for us to constantly be assessing, is this how God would handle himself? So how does that relate to worship? Well, 
the way we behave is a direct reflection of who we worship. So it's important for us to have the attitude of serving, be glad, be happy, and for us to constantly be asking yourself, are we keeping the main thing the main thing? Mm. On Sunday mornings, are we keeping the main thing the main thing? Yeah. You know, one thing that Pastor Drew has has done is he's brought our services back around to about uh, uh, the gospel changes everything. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, when I first heard the title of of the sermon series, I was like, okay, it's just kind of it's a little generic, you know. It's just kind of, but the but he had enough foresight to say. No, this is what we need. We've yeah. gotten away. We're letting culture pull us in this direction. We're let, you know, everybody, it seems like there's a lot of people talking about this political thing or talking about this or talking about COVID, talking about, well, hold on a second. We Nobody's talking about the gospel. Nobody's mm-hmm. talking about that Jesus died on the cross for our sins yeah. and there are people out there that need that. Mm-hmm. We're all distracted. So he had the foresight to, to keep the main thing the main thing, which is why I think ultimately we wanted worship God to be one of the, to be the overarching thing. So, Things to kind of bring us back here, uh, things that um, to help us keep the main thing the main thing. First, don't engage in things that aren't about the main Mm -hmm. thing. Now, that's not me saying that we need to stick our head in the sand and pretend like culture doesn't exist and that things are being said that aren't untrue or that are untrue or aren't aren't true or whatever. Um, let's, Let's talk about this just to kind of keep it in perspective to our actual worship ministry. Things that aren't the main thing on Sunday morning. I don't like that instrument. Contemporary folks, you may not like that we have an instrument on the stage that looks like a grand piano. Mm-hmm. Or a sax. Or a saxophone or a violin or whatever. Like you, you may think, well, that just doesn't scream contemporary worship to me. I come to a contemporary. None of that. Mm-mm. None of that is about Jesus. Mm-mm. None of it. Um, contemporary worship folks, it, one day you're going to hear him in your contemporary service. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't need to get all up in arms that you heard a hymn. There's some awesome theology in that hymn yeah. that you may need to hear. Um, and uh, flip the coin for a second. I don't like the praise and worship stuff that's being sung in this service or, you know, uh, you know, I like the modern worship service or the modern worship stuff. I like the brand new Hillsong song. I like the brand new Elevation song. Or I like the, I like, you know, I, I want to hear Bach more in the traditional service. I don't want to hear Fanny Crosby. I want to hear Bach. Did anybody in those statements that I just made ask yourself, did you honestly hear me talk about Jesus in any way, shape, or form? Mm-hmm. Did you hear me talk anything about anything gospel related in in, in that? The answer is no. I'll just tell you. The answer is no. I didn't. Well, Josh, what if I'm distracted? If you're distracted, if you come to a service prepared that if certain instrumentation or certain song selection is going to keep you away from the Father, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it will keep you from the Father. Mm-hmm. You will not meet with God that day. You've already made your mind up that you're not mm-hmm. going to meet with God that day. An instrument isn't going to make it happen. Yeah. Your heart will. Your heart about what you see mm-hmm. will keep you from worshiping and being in the presence of God that day. Mm-hmm. So I want to challenge you, all of us, but when we come into a service, let's not make our minds up about what will allow us to worship or not. Mm-hmm. 
if all of our, if all the things that we have today were stripped away, let's pretend that we live in, in, in a different country. Let's say China. We have brothers and sister in China, sisters in China mm-hmm. that worship in basements and they don't, and, and they have like codes for how they, how they spread that they're going to worship together. And they don't tell anybody in public that they're going to worship. They just go meet because they know they'll get shut down or put in prison. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're in that situation, do you think any of those people are saying, well, if that worship leader in that basement doesn't have that acoustic guitar, <laughs> um, I just don't know that I can go down there and worship. Or there's not organ. There's not a drum set. I I just don't know. I mean, I, I got to have a drum set. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've got to have a saxophone. I've got to have a violin. I've got to have a guitar. I've, I've got to have an organ. I've got to have a piano. No, those, no. That's, when you're put in that situation when everything is stripped away, you just want to be in the presence of yeah. God. And if you have him, that's good enough. I think well, I want to ask you a question. What do you think the church would look like in America with all the resources that we have if we approached God with the attitude of, Lord, here's what we have. Mm-hmm. Use it how you want to use it. Mm-hmm. Not, Lord, here's what we have, but it has to be used this way and it has to sound this way and it has to be this way. Otherwise, I'm just, I just can't handle it. That's not about God. That's about you. That's you. Mm-hmm. That's at that point we're worshiping our preferences. And listen, I'm talking to myself. I have a way that I like for things to sound. I have a way <laughs> I like for things to go. Ask yeah. Bailey. Mm-hmm. There are probably things I've had us do that she's like, oh God, we're gonna do that again. <laughs> like that that's a thing. I have preferences, but there your preference does not supersede God's presence. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you need to go to a performance venue somewhere. You, if you think that, if you think that, because we pay we pay tithes and we you know invest in the church and we give back to God, that that allows us to speak into things as if we're going to a concert. Mm-hmm. We we've, we've missed it. Yeah. We've missed it. So, how do we keep the main thing? We already talked about not engaging in things that aren't the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Don't talk about the instruments that you don't like. Don't talk about the hymns that you don't that you like or don't like. Don't talk about the praise and worship stuff that you don't do or don't like. Come to worship to worship. Don't come to worship expecting to hear the song that entertains you. That's not the main thing. So what is the main thing, Bailey? I mean, why why do we worship God? Who is he? I think something that has become so much clearer to me and um, the students and I talked about this a little bit too of why why we search for a, a scriptural basis for our songs and that is because knowing the scripture knowing where it comes from knowing why we sing it makes our worship so much more meaningful it makes us understand it so much more and the same thing goes for who God is if we know who if we understand who God is as much as we can to our you know, in our humanity, 
we understand who he is and know his characteristics, know he is for us and understand who we're worshiping, mm. then man, <laughs> won't our worship just be so much more meaningful? And we, we won't we won't have a preference at that point because our only preference is to have his presence. So so what you're saying is God is the main thing. Yes. <laughs> Just to put it simply. Yeah, simply. Our, our the main thing is our desire to want to be in his presence. Mm-hmm. You don't need an instrumentation to usher you into the presence yeah. of God. Well, and I mean I I just kept referring back to the passage in 2 Samuel where David danced before the Lord, mm-hmm. and I I will never know how to pronounce her name, but Michal, me, Michael, Michal. <laughs> There's several you different know, The daughter of Saul. Yes, the daughter of Saul. Yeah. <laughs> um, bless her. I wish I could give her a name, but I, I don't know how to say it. Um, if it she, makes you feel better, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Michal okay. and Michael. I've heard it okay. pronounced both ways. Um, but she looked at him, and she was like, what are you doing? Like, you look like a fool. And it's basically because he was he was dancing in all his glory with <laughs> with no clothes on because he was he was before the Lord and he was exposing himself and she was like why are you doing that you look silly yep. like who do you think you are why would you expose yourself like that in front of all those people and all that stuff and he responded and said I was before the Lord who preferred me to your father and to all his house to appoint me as ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. So I will celebrate before the Lord and I might demean myself even more than this and be lowly in my own sight. But I mean, my goodness, like if that doesn't say it. Oh, 100% it says it. Yeah. It's, it's a, like to, to kind of dive into that a little bit. He, at that point, he had not really like people imagined that they, that he was like completely naked, but what he had done is he had taken his kingly robes off. He still had things on. We're talking about we're. She was mad over formality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That hits closer to home. Yeah. She was mad that he didn't have his kingly robes on. Mm-hmm. He still had stuff on. He didn't look like the king. Yep. Y'all, we cannot get caught up in that. Mm-mm. That can't happen. We, God will remove that which does not honor him. Mm-hmm. And if our preference supersedes his presence... Mm-hmm. Our desire for his presence, if our pre- preference supersedes our desire for his presence, something will be removed. Yeah. And um, I just really want to caution us. That's why worship God has to be a number one, not a number, the number one priority mm-hmm. in what we what we do. We have to know who he is. We have to know the why behind what we do. Mm-hmm. And really and truly coming out of all that, we have to be thankful for what he is currently doing yeah, and what he has done, mm-hmm. but how he's working right now, not what we wish we had. That's consumerism. Yeah. There's a big difference between need and want. Yeah. We've confused those terms in our society today in every generation, young generation. My generation is kind of in this weird middle place. And then our older generation, we have all confused the, the difference between the, the words need and want. The only thing we need is to be in the presence of mm-hmm. God as believers. And we don't need a single instrument to do that. We yep. need our heart. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say that excellence doesn't matter. That's not to say that um, that analyzing where our church is and and how God is working in our church and choosing uh, choosing worship and 
uh, choosing worship songs and choosing instrumentation do, isn't affected by that. It definitely is affected by that. But those things do not supersede God's presence. Mm-hmm. They don't do it. So as long as I'm here, which after this podcast may be like 30 seconds, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I feel very confident that our, our, our pastors are 100% on board with that because we've had this conversation before. But it's as, as long as I'm here, we will keep worship worshiping God a number one priority mm-hmm. over any kind of preference. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you can't send suggestions in, like Bailey mentioned in another pr- previous podcast about, you know, the different things. Is it is it honorable or is it, uh, what, what was it that we talked about that we, we say when people want to make a suggestion, they can send it to spotswoodcreative.org or at spotswoodcreative at spotswood.org. Yeah. Um, is it honorable? Is it intentionally divisive? Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't have it right in front of me. So to get the exact words, I would fail. That's okay. Um, but, but basically, we have a system that is put into place that we ask people that if they want to make a suggestion about something, we ask them to say, hey, is it is this something that honors God? Is it something that points to Jesus or your preference? And finally, is it divisive? Mm-hmm. If, it, if you can answer the correct way to those, and everybody knows what the correct answers are yeah. to those things. If you can answer the correct way to that, then send us the suggestion. And we'll definitely look at it and say, hey, how can we use this? To honor our God, mm-hmm. um, and and then we have a set of questions as your leaders that we put things through just to be be safe. So, guys, to wrap this segment up, let's just keep the main thing the main mm-hmm. thing. Let's not get caught up in these tertiary issues. Let's not get caught up in in being intentionally divisive. Let's let's see what God can do through us by letting go of our preferences mm-hmm. and just saying, God, we are here for you. Do in us what you want mm-hmm. to do. Do what you want to. Um, and I, I think we'd be shocked at what what would happen Yeah, if we all honestly did that. So, yay, nay, or pray this week. Um, this week's a little bit different. Last week, we, or I shouldn't say last week, last episode, we, we tackled um, uh, Christmas Carol. Um, this week... This episode, we are going to tackle another praise and worship song. Um, this one has, uh, I would say, s- probably some interpretation yes. issues. Um, there's a song that came out, I think we figured out, it was 2012. 2009. Called 2009. Yes. Yes. Oh, How He Loves mm. um, by David Crowder, which I am a huge Crowder fan. Yes. He just came out with a song called Good God Almighty that is so, so great and uh, so much fun. Uh, uh, one of the other pastors on staff sent me a link and said, Josh, can we please do this one Sunday? Um, and it, it's, it's just a great song. So don't, this is not a shot at David Crowder. Um, but there are some things with this and Bailey, I'm going to let you unpack it a little bit. Okay. There's some things with this that, that we need to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, we won't get into the whole debate, but Keeping it plain and simple, the song is very poetic. It's very beautiful. It's also very metaphorical. So you will find a lot of metaphors, as we do in worship songs. We've discussed that before. Um, So it's very metaphorical. Um, This song came out when I was in the fifth grade. So I have sung this song for a very long time. Um, And it's one of the songs that, as I was growing up in a youth group, we sung this very often. Um, and the debate has always been, ever since 2009, 
Are you a sloppy wet kiss person or an unforeseen person? Okay, so tell us why you say that because that is very weird <laughs> exactly. and uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. So there's a line, I believe it's in the bridge, um, where it says, heaven meets earth. And the original lyrics are, heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. Yes. And my heart burns violently inside my chest. Yes. Um, and everyone was kind of like, huh. <laughs> Yeah, I'll never forget yeah. hearing that in person. I was like, "Huh, huh?" No, he just say that. Yeah, it's a it's it's a very um, vivid vivid metaphor. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of graphic. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, then some people changed the lyric. I, don't, I mean, I had to say change, but they molded the lyrics to better fit um, their, I would assume, situation. I don't know who the first person. Um, was to say unforeseen, but it might have been crowded. It might have been him, yeah. Um, and they changed it to and heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss, which flow in my opinion flows better. And and the whole purpose of the lyric and whether it's sloppy wet or unforeseen is like, oh, the unexpectancy of the glory that was Jesus coming to earth, heaven coming to earth. Um, and then some people have even gone as far to say, okay, well, let's just not choose either of them because everyone has their preference for that. Yep. And let's just use the word passionate, which I feel like is the more mild of the, of the two. Cause unforeseen can get a little like, okay, what, what exactly? What? Like, cause it's yep. not a word that's used often. Right. Um, and then you go to sloppy wet where it's like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then there's passionate. So I guess the question is. Not whether, like, what your preference is, sloppy, wet, unforeseen, passionate, but what is the issue with it? Um, it's by no means unbiblical. Uh, it's it's more of just, it makes it a little more graphic. It makes it a little bit more like, ooh, should I, should I have been singing that? Like, that feels kind of weird. And it's very, it's very Song of Solomon-y. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, is that it's a word? solomon a technical term. Yeah. It's... It's, it's very poetic. I mean, it's, it's the, it's trying kind of like we talked about last week with the whole away in a manger thing It's trying to paint a romantic, yeah, romanticized picture of mm -hmm. the relationship between God and his church. It's, it's romanticized, but in a way that is not like, oh, this, this moment, it was like a beautiful, perfect kiss. No, it's a sloppy wet. It was still very unexpected, very um probably uncomfortable yep. realistically but it humanizes it a little bit more so it's you know it's just always been a debate but what makes this song something that she should probably be considered um it does hold a lot of truth yeah and the metaphors in this song are something that personally speak and have spoken to me as a believer um and the repetitive nature of the chorus. I mean, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Um, he loves us. Oh, how he loves. Like, it doesn't seem something that is like, oh, my goodness, this is just the best song ever. But it, it really, the repetitive nature of it makes you think of the glory and love of the Lord. So the, the uh, essentially in the verse, like you have verse that speaks a truth about God's love and then the chorus is designed for you to reflect. Mm -hmm. So, like, first verse, he is jealous for me, mm -hmm. which he is. Mm -hmm. 
is uh, he uh, he describes it as loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When mm-hmm. all of a sudden I am aware, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. Yeah, it's, it's an intense. It's like, very <laughs> intense. Yeah, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is some lyrics. Yeah, and how great your affections are for me. That is literally brought into the bridge where it says sloppy wet kiss. Right. Um. Which, you know, it doesn't, not to diminish the discomfort from the phrase in general, because that's not something that we necessarily love to say. Right. (laughs) And you never want somebody to be like, yeah, that kiss was just wet and sloppy. Like, ugh. Yes. (laughs) But it's still, I mean, in in relation to the rest of the song, it, it's still true. Yeah, it is. It's. It to me, this is more of a question of maturity. Yeah, yeah. It, is your appropriateness and maturity? Mm-hmm. Appropriateness and maturity. Like I, although the Song of Solomon is a book in the Bible that is is part, it, it is truth. It is God breathed. We believe it is. It is exactly what it is intended to mm-hmm. be, but it is also. Song of Simon, Solomon is kind of graphic. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, we believe that all believers, including, you know, children, young adults, at some point in their Christian life, they need to read it yeah. and they need to understand it. But when is that? Like, it, it's always appropriate because it's God's word, but there's a time and place. Like, for instance, I think a parent, if they're going to, re- if they if they want their kids to read Song of Solomon, I think a parent needs to read it with them mm-hmm. so they can help them understand what's going on here. Yeah, it you know it. I think is it going to harm a child's uh, harm a child to read Song of Solomon on their own? Well, no, because it's God's word. I think it's going to help them. But I think for understanding purposes, it's important. So for this song, you just got to analyze: is it who who's going to be using it mm-hmm. in the worship service? Like I'm probably not going to do this song with a kids ministry. Uh, yeah. You know, like I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think that's where it needs to happen because they're going to get they're going to get distracted by the word mm-hmm. sloppy wet kiss yeah. or unforeseen kiss or passionate kiss or just mm-hmm. kiss in general mm-hmm. or the incredibly poetic lyrics in the right. first verse. What, they're no, like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um. So I guess our conclusion would be, pray about it. Mm-hmm. This is definitely a a song that is biblical. Um, but it's one that is for very specific situations, and that's okay. Right. So, no yay, no nay, but pray. Definitely pray. So, we want to hear your questions, so ask and connect with us. Uh, Connect with us on social media at Spotswood Creative on both Instagram and Facebook. Uh, if you want to send us an email, Spotswood Creative at spotswood.org. You can send something there. It comes to uh, to all of our all of our worship staff. Uh, be sure to rate the podcast and share it. Uh, we will be back in a couple weeks to talk about some more stuff that matters. But in the meantime, you guys, keep it one hundred. That's right. <laughs>